0: The Student Support Services students surpass that rate each year and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. They have earned PhDs in Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to reach this level of success.
1: Bradford and I welcome you back to the second part of our conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, going back, I forgot to bring this up. I was thinking about it. Now, when a student here goes to counseling, what's they get to kind of put in recommendations for what kind of like type of counselor or what um, area of expertise they want the counselor to have. Now, what do you what advice do you have for them in like, selecting the right counselor for them? Or should they, you know, kind of go in blindly like you and it's going to end up okay? Or...
2: I would definitely recommend being as transparent as possible. Like, hey, if you so, if you are a minority or a person of color, can I talk to somebody of color? Uh, a big part of counseling is feeling comfortable. And a lot of times you feel comfortable, more comfortable with somebody who looks like you. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case for everybody, but for, for some students, especially if you're already hesitant about going in there, it may help to do that. But definitely be open about, hey, so I feel more comfortable talking to a woman I feel more talk- comfortable talking to a man I feel more comfortable talking to a person of color um, I think that's really important because the initial sit down you want to feel you're going to feel a measure of vulnerability so you wanted to talk to somebody who you can kind of identify with and that you're comfortable with whether that's gender or race
1: yeah cuz I even had a student who she went in you know for the um, her kind of dealing with and it actually had to do with an abortion and she was assigned to a older woman who older meaning she felt like the student felt like it was her grandmother mm. and so she couldn't she had to switch and like right. that was okay it's like yeah you can say I feel like I'm talking to my grandmother and I would never talk to my grandmother right. about this and that's okay. You know, to say I, I I can't do it. Sorry. Absolutely. Thought I could. I can't switch me.
2: Switch. And don't feel bad about it And don't hesitate If you don't feel comfortable The thing about counseling is They're providing a service And if you're Especially when you're on a university um, The university is providing a service for you So get whatever it is that you want And if you don't feel comfortable Talking to that person Then try somebody else Like that would That's I think uh, A prominent part of counseling And especially for somebody Who doesn't necessarily want to be there in the first place you can go and not connect with your counselor and then that's, that was your one try so hey i tried i didn't connect with my counselor uh they were older i didn't feel like they really understood me and that was it i'm not trying anymore
1: Mhm mhm or sometimes like they just stared at me and said uh uh-huh, uh uh-huh. yeah
2: yeah and you hear about that too you you hear about that i I've, I've talked to students who have had a really bad experience with counselors and sometimes you just may have a bad counselor like not all counselors are are equal and to be honest not all counselors are like really that good at their job yeah
1: it's just like anything else absolutely
2: you know? absolutely yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah there's a risk with everything for sure Now, why would a college student need to go to counseling? So, like, what's kind of just the fact that you're a college student means that you could benefit from working on your mental health or addressing your mental health?
2: Man, college is hard. So you have so many things on your plate. So you come in, and I I think it's especially with this generation. So I'm 26. I was born in 1990. Um, but with the students who are born in 1995, in 1996, 1997, and everything like that, they they were born to a different generation. So they they had a Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter, all those things in middle school. So they're exposed to a lot more. They have a lot more, they, they can see a lot more at an earlier age at an earlier part of their development. So, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, they're more developed when they get to college in, in a sense, because they've seen so much, they have so much access at their fingertips. So in, in a lot of ways, like the pressure of, being able to go on the internet, go on social media and see that, hey, so-and-so is doing this, so-and-so is doing that. They got this internship. Uh, they got this scholarship, everything like that. These This person is studying abroad and then you instantly start to compare that to yourself. And then you can, sometimes you can feel inadequate. Um, so for college students, especially these students now, there's just so much on their plate. Like you're worrying about getting a job. You're worrying about getting an internship, maintaining the GPA, Uh, maintaining your scholarship. If you have a scholarship, you have to have a certain GPA. Uh, There's just so much pressure, making sure that you're involved in extracurricular activities, make sure that you're in clubs and things like that. And then all while balancing that social aspect of being, uh, having like a lot of friends, relationships are huge, are are a huge part, especially for a 19, 20, 21 year old. Uh, So there's so many things that affect college students that yeah talking to somebody can really help and I remember talking to my mom and she's like well what would you need to go to counseling for and I'm like and my mom is older my mom yeah. is is 57. So uh, she came up in a time where it was taboo to go to counseling, especially as an African-American woman. So uh, you'll hear older adults say, you know, well, well, what do you need to go to that for? Like, what is really so hard about being a college student? And like the answer is like almost everything.
1: Yeah, because it's one of those things like college is so exciting. You're so lucky to go to college. And college isn't the real world. You know, they'll also say like, wait till you get in the real world. For sure. But it
2: actually is stressful absolutely there's stress at every turn so like in a sense like that's that's right like yeah like you are kind of lucky to be in college like this is a excellent opportunity but just because it's a great opportunity doesn't mean that there's not stressful things that that come with that so yeah like yeah that's true of course like yeah you are lucky it's a great experience and everything like that but on the other side of that come plenty of things that can give you stress and anxiety Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. yeah I know for sure and the other piece with being a college student, like we've talked about, is, you know, race and gender kind of impacting that differently also. And um, I think it's in the last three to four years they've focused the research on African-American males where they are the group that doesn't graduate like equal to their peers mm-hmm. and um and they're also the population that seeks out the least amount of extra support so right. here's the population that needs the most support but they're the least likely to get it for sure what are your thoughts on
2: uh, i have a lot of so um <laughs> yeah. it's really interesting so Counseling was formed, the basis of counseling was formed with Western ideals, so basically white men. the theories and the concepts were normed off of white men. You're not a white man, so a lot of the things that come with those theories don't necessarily apply to you. So I remember vividly uh, studying um, in graduate school, like, you know, different cultures and different techniques and different theories. And I'm thinking like, man, this is like I remember asking my professor during supervision, um, like, who is this normed off of? <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like middle aged white man, and because I'm reading this, I'm like, I don't identify with with this at all. I don't agree with this at all. Like, who said that this is what the this who who made this the template? So as a as a young African American man. You're going into a situation. You're going in, for me as a counselor. Going into a to a field that was normed off of people who don't identify with me. And at that time, when it was formed, they didn't necessarily like me. They didn't. They they weren't really welcoming of uh, African Americans. They weren't welcoming of Black people. So you yeah, I
1: don't even think they made an attempt to learn. Did yeah, they, I absolutely. mean, it was just like this is the ruler. This is the way it is.
2: For sure for sure.
1: We're not even gonna attempt to figure out the differences based upon people that don't look like us, don't
2: absolutely live,
1: you know, in our neighborhoods, don't, absolutely. you know, yeah.
2: And and that's a huge aspect of it. So I think when you're talking about it, that's an aspect that has to be acknowledged. Like, some of the things that we're going off are like outdated, antiquated, and normed off of people who were not receptive to people of color. Um, I, another thing I remember uh, reading my multi I took so every counselor has to take multicultural uh, counseling course and they had every cult, every race listed except for Caucasians except for white people so like we're learning about so I'm reading a book we're learning about myself learning about my own culture and some of the things I'm like this is not true to my experience <laughs> yeah like this is not true and I'm reading so I'm reading about uh, Asian Pacific Islanders I'm reading about Latinos um, I'm reading about uh, all these. Different cultures and then we get to the end I'm like well what about Caucasians and like it's not listed so I'm like confused and again I asked my professor so like why are white people listed I don't what if I don't feel comfortable and I don't know how to work with white people Mm -hmm. what kind of literature can I read and he's just like it just doesn't exist so it, it goes it goes back to it's a field that's not necessarily made to, it's not the most well-encompassed encompassed field. So when you talk about black people not or black males not going to counseling, and then on top of that, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of be along with it. No, uh,
1: no, no, go ahead. But, but then
2: on top of that, the lack of representation in the field. So kind of the, the hindrances that I had, um, So for one, when I I went in graduate school, when I went to counseling, they didn't have any African-American counselors. So I I chose a Caucasian woman, but I didn't have a lot of options. So Mm -hmm. for me, so for somebody who's already apprehensive about going and I can't talk to someone who looks like me, who can kind of identify with my apprehensiveness, can identify with me being uncomfortable, that's going to be a barrier.
1: Right. And I was even thinking it's like... With your friends did you talk to your friends tell them you were going to counseling
2: I didn't I didn't it was something that and then I was in such a bad place uh, I was dealing with heartbreak for like the first time that I was I was kind of closed off so um, and in Pembroke I was by myself so yeah. all of my friends I was the only one of my friends who went to graduate school so all my friends were like working like they were in their field working jobs so my schedule was different when they were kind of at home I was in class from 5.30 to 7.30 or 5.30 to 8. So it was just really different and it was kind of hard to communicate. But even with that, I didn't want to do it anyway because I was in.
1: Yeah, because they're thinking it's like if you nobody talks about it in the home going to counseling. Right. So it's not like you've ever heard people talk about the whole counseling process. For sure. And then your friends aren't talking about it to you. You know, it's like so scary to walk in there and it's like you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what they're going to say. So I think that's the piece, too, which I'm glad you're here talking about it, is to talk about your experiences focusing on your mental health, saying, you know, to do the best and be the best, my mind needs to be as healthy as my body.
2: Which is why it's so important on the college campus, because um, if I hadn't gone my last year of graduate school, like I I would like to think that I would have passed the exam and and been fine. But I really can't say with all certainty. Uh, After we started that therapeutic relationship, it was extremely helpful and it helped me kind of uh, conceptualize and put my situation into perspective. And that really helped me as far as moving forward. And like that wasn't the end all be all though so i think one of the misconceptions about counseling is you go to counseling you'll talk you'll talk uh, you'll have this conversation and then whatever you, whatever issue you came in there with, it will be fixed, but that's really not how it works. Um, it's kind of building a foundation for you to work through whatever it is that you're working through. So it's not advice. Uh, it's not a, like a, a one, a one-stop fix. It's a kind of like a foundation for you to work through. So with, for me, I was able to like help form a, uh, build a foundation with my counselor and then And from there I could kind of move forward with my life.
1: Yeah, because I was thinking it's like not whining.
2: No.
1: And it's not a sign that you're weak and not you know, like a sign that you're out of control and that you're not strong enough
2: to me it's actually the opposite it's kind of a sign of strength so I understand what I'm dealing with and I'm smart enough to know that I need somebody else to to help me with this I'm I'm strong enough to know that I need help Uh, I don't want to this I don't want this to bring me down and I'm not naive in the sense that I feel like I can do absolutely everything like no I need help
1: right right and it's like there's no way that you know everything for sure and that's actually the problem is when you think you know right everything you're you know kind of in most more danger than knowing like no there's things i don't know and there's things that i don't do well and that's okay so i'm going to surround myself with people that do know what i don't know and people who have strengths that i don't have
2: like when you're 21 you think you know everything it's
1: (laughs) it's like what? what do
2: you mean i don't know this of course i do
1: and we're sorry to everybody listening Right. (laughs) And and it's okay because I was that that same.
2: I was that same way. I only learned this in my sage years of being 26. But when I was 21 and 20, like, of course, I felt like I had all the answers. I think we all do. That's part of the hubris of being young and, you know, still having that safety net. So you're not in the real world yet. So uh, certain things just aren't a concern. So of course, everything is fine. Everything is cool. And That's just how you look at things.
1: Now, what do you do now to maintain your mental health? Because it's, you know, kind of obvious when you're in crisis, you know, to go to counseling, but there's also the extremely important part of maintaining
2: mental health. Right. Um, So for me, uh, it's a couple of things. So I meditate every day. Um, There's an app that I use called Calm, C-A-L-M, and I tell everybody about it. It's free. And meditation helped me as far as just like teaching me patience, uh, teaching me to be mindful, to kind of slow down. So a big part of of my self-care and my mental health is making sure that every day before I come to work that I'm in a good space mentally, so that like my head is clear, I'm calm, I feel good, my body is relaxed, and so a big part of that is meditation. Meditation helps me achieve that. Uh, Exercise. as far as like I, I do like at least three days I try to aim for four times exercise in a week just to get a good sweat uh it's really good for your brain to like to run and, and to get some of that cardiovascular exercise to, to get your cardio in um just as far as just feeling good about yourself you know when you when you exercise you get active you just naturally feel good um so for me it's meditation it's exercise I do yoga oh, I picked up yoga last year. And it's great. So um, it's yoga, it's exercise, it's meditation. Those are the primary things. But also, I talk to my friends. So me and my friends have an ongoing group chat, and like I'll, I'll talk to them. Uh, I talk to my girlfriend. So I do things that I enjoy. So a big thing I tell college students is, especially this past, this this summer. I'm like, hey, so what are you doing this summer? Like, do something fun. Do something that you enjoy. Like, have fun. Like you're you're on summer break like do go travel somewhere go somewhere go go to a concert um, go out and have a good time so a big part of self-care is just doing things that you like and kind of while you're doing it realize that being in the moment so not being on your phone like you're out at a concert not necessarily be on your phone recording everything but it's kind of being in the moment and enjoying the experience if you're out to dinner with your friends or your significant other, being there, being present at that time and really taking in the experience. Um, so those, those are all big things for me. Just meditation, exercise, yoga, and then just communicating with the people that I care about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you had to take some chances with the meditation and the yoga. Oh, for sure. You know, sure. doing it for the first time. Oh,
2: yeah, definitely.
1: So, I mean, I think that's the thing is just because something worked in the past doesn't mean you know, that there's not something out there that you can give it a try just to see, you know, how it benefits you oh, yeah. and it may may not you know
2: when I started meditation it, I didn't feel like it was for me so I started the summer of 2015 and it was really hard for me to focus like my mind was because our minds are trained to think, so it was really hard for me to kind of focus and you know lock in on my breathing and I felt like I wasn't doing it right And I was like alright this is this just isn't for me um, I'll try something else but kind of sticking with it um... Maintaining that, all right. This is something that might helpfully help me, and for me, it was something that I wanted to do. So even when it doesn't go on well, I knew that all right, this is something that's beneficial. So I'm gonna keep trying. But in the same thing with yoga, uh, it's very humbling to not be able to uh, do a certain position or do a certain pose. And it's just like, man, I thought I was a, I, thought, I thought I was in pretty good shape. I thought I was pretty limber, but turns yeah. out you're not. But have yeah, you those done the headstands things, yet? Man, not yet, <laughs> not yet. But the first time. Um, uh, I tried down dog and it, I felt my quads and all that all those things. like, man, this is so uncomfortable. Uh, it's kind of humbling, mm-hmm. but it's it's good. It's, it was a good experience. But yeah, kind of how you said in the beginning, it's kind of like that. This is not for me. Um, maybe I need to try something else and everything that comes with kind of some of that self-doubt for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was thinking with the meditation is so important, especially for a college student. You have so oh, much yeah. anxiety. Oh, yeah, you know, and you've got a you're responsible for 22 things in a day, you know And you can't figure out like how to prioritize them. Yeah. Yeah, just doing 10 to 15 minutes of meditation, it's like you're training your brain like you would working out trains your body. So you're training your brain to be in control. So you can say, yeah, I've got 22 things to do, but right now I have enough control over my brain where I can just focus on this one thing.
2: And the best thing I ever learned was to meditate before I go into session. So before I leave the house that morning, I would meditate and just kind of clear my mind and just feel really good and then when i had to write a paper meditate before i do my paper so just like getting in that space of calm getting in that space of being patient um and letting things flow and actually not having to have control of everything is huge so yeah it's, it's extremely extremely helpful i burn a lot of incense also like in my house i always have either like a candle burning some sage or incense like i'm big on smells those help me relax um so that also that's another part of self care that's like really important. Just being a just being comfortable and mm-hmm. being uh comfortable in your skin and comfortable in your own environment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's I think with student support services, what we're always trying to do is to make sure you have as much as you know, to make yourself comfortable. For and sure. that goes back to, you know, food, housing, tutors, mm-hmm. um, support system, you know, and then it does get down to the, you know, your home environment. Are you doing what is actually best for you. Right. Because incense may be good for you, but it may, you know, there may be something else.
2: Right, for sure.
1: For somebody no. else.
2: And I think I think it's great with what we do here with in student support services is just giving that support to students. So it's not just academic, like you have tutors and you have programs and uh, you have academic coaching, but there's also just that personal support, just that space to come in and talk and just hang out. Like students come in to the office all the time and just hang out and talk about anything. Uh, that's that's really important for your mental health. If you can, if you have a break in between class, and you can just go. I know students are always in your office talking to you and students are always in uh, Courtney's office or mine or Kyle's and they can just come and hang out and relax and you kind of just have a really good conversation in between class. Mentally, you just feel better. Like when we have good conversation, that's like stimulating to our brain, we feel better. So it's, it's nothing for, for the student to have that good conversation then go to class and focus because you feel good
1: yeah because you know even superheroes need breaks you know like you don't have to try to do it all and don't try to do it all on your own
2: for sure and that's a big part of counseling is kind of accepting that I can't do everything on my own, and that there's somebody here who wants to listen to me and wants to uh, help me out in any way that I want to be helped. So yeah, that's I think that's the one of the best benefits and parts of counseling is that you don't have to be a superhero. There's somebody here to listen to you and be here for you and empathize for you and whatever path that you set that you want to to set out on the. We'll be like, okay, cool. Like, let's let's go with that, and let's see what happens.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do you think students need to know?
2: Um, so as far as counseling or just as far as just mental health on campus being aware of your triggers so like stress Mm -hmm. is huge and we know like the huge times of stress like uh, midterms finals even sometimes the beginning of the year because you have all these lofty expectations and goals and you want to start out on the right foot so being aware of your mental and physical triggers knowing when you're not comfortable knowing when like say you just got off of work at like 930 and you have homework due and you have a test due and everything like that being able to uh, structure your assignments but also know that well this is I have these things due but right now it's just not a good time like if I study or if I try to study this is this just is not a good time for my brain to focus in and lock in so maybe I need to just wake up earlier in the morning and do these things you know like being aware of your triggers like when you're stressed out whether or you're, or you're anxious, and your underarms start to sweat, or your palms get sweaty. Um, for for a lot of people, a lot of stress occurs in your back, in your lower and your upper back. So kind of being aware of like if you have random back pain, not just um, attributing that to oh I just worked out or I mean I must have slept wrong. Like no, it might be stress, it might be anxiety. So kind of being aware of your mental and physical triggers. Mm -hmm. and that's a good way to go for okay so I'm feeling this what may be going on and then you kind of you can kind of evaluate what you have on your plate and if you have a lot on your plate you can kind of do some diagnosing on your own but okay I may may need to cut back on this or that or I may need to go talk to somebody.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing I actually um, advise too is even a lot of transitions is stressful Mm -hmm. so you have class meetings, work off campus then come back to a meeting, it's like all those transitions in itself are stressful. Right. You know, to kind of streamline your days so that you're not running back and forth right. all of the time. For sure. So even though it's like, well, I should be able to go to class, have a meeting, go to off-campus work, come back, and it's, and it's just like, well, no, all of those transitions are stressful in itself. That's a you lot. Know?
2: Mm-hmm. So you are you wake up that day and you're on your way to class and you're thinking, I'm not going to get home. So you're leaving your apartment at like 8.30 maybe, and you're like, I'm not going to get home until 8.45 tonight. That's a lot on your on your plate mentally because mm-hmm. you know you're going to be out all day. You know you're going to be tired. So it's like, okay, well, what am I going to eat for lunch? What am I going to eat midday? I'm going to be hungry. I don't want to be running on fumes. You have so many things going on in your mind and that's just like a normal Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the want to be active on campus. Then you may have to work to support yourself. Uh, so that's those are just some of the things that college students deal with that people are kind of eager to, you know, just say, oh, it's nothing like you're, mm-hmm. you're young. You'll be just fine. But no, like, that's a, that's a lot of pressure.
1: Well, actually, and we forgot to talk about it is the amount of stress that goes along with money. Oh, man. I mean, just in man. general, people hate talking about money, hate thinking right. about money. Or, you know, it gives them such bad anxiety and stress. And so it's the fact of just like not having enough money, even if it's $5, like the amount of stress that just naturally has nothing to do with you. Just it's almost like a human experience that money is stressful. Oh, yeah. And so of seeking help with that, that it's probably always going to be stressful. But how are you going to manage it so that it doesn't become a problem?
2: I saw a study a couple years ago that said that being broke, or it was either being broke or being homeless or both, is like the equivalent of being stressed out every minute of every day, and that's a lot. So when you have fifteen dollars, and that fifteen dollars on Monday needs to last you till Saturday, that's a lot because you're mentally you're thinking, all right. So I can spend three dollars today on at McDonald's or something, and then maybe four dollars here, and then it's like, oh well, now I only have X amount of dollars. You know, that's that's a lot. And then on, on top of going to class every day and then studying and then performing well on the test, um, man. Money is is probably the biggest stressful factor for students, not just on a day-to-day basis, but knowing that you have loans taken out. So I have to do well to make this loan worth it because I have to pay this back, right? So there's so much pressure and stress that comes along with money that, again, that... Uh, people don't always like to acknowledge for whatever reason. But yeah, college students definitely have a lot on their plate, and
1: money is a big part of it. Yeah, and that's the piece where you can go to counseling for that. I mean, that's the number three reason why people go to counseling at NC State is for financial reasons. Oh, really? Yeah, and I mean, that's I mean, that's the piece of it that no, nobody's going to write you a check for 10 grand, probably. But there's a way. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'll have to to talk to different people about that. But, um, you know, it's like that you can go in and talk to about a person is like. No, you know, they're not going to be able to write you a check for 10 grand, but they are probably going to be able to help you with just a mindset about money, what you can do so that your thoughts and feelings about money don't negatively impact your life as much.
2: Absolutely. And so much of our self-worth is tied to money. So I make X amount of dollars a year. So I'm this And for a college student, I have X amount of dollars in my bank account, so I'm this— so, yeah. so much we tie so much of our self worth to finance, and when you don't have a lot of money, or you have a very limited income, or you have a very limited amount in your account, it's hard to kind of separate that from who you are. Because mm-hmm. I think, guess in America, that's kind of our tendency: people define themselves by how much they make and what they do for a living. And when you're lacking in one area, it's hard for that not to affect your whole being.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I've just recently been able to say, no, finance is a stressor for me. Like, no, mm-hmm. I can't do that. You know, or but it's like the trying to do what everybody is doing, especially in college. that It's so expensive.
2: For sure. You
1: know, and that. everybody's going out and everybody's doing these things. Right, and it's hard right. to be the person. It's like. Nope, I can't go. And if I go and spend that money, I'm going to be so, you know, freaking stressed out. I'm not going to be able Man. to handle it. So it's best for me, you to know, stay to stay home.
2: I remember a situation in undergrad when I was working at which was like the worst job ever in my life. But everybody loves me. I do too. I thought that I would, you know, that would carry over to being behind the counter, (laughs) but uh, it did not. But I remember...
1: They're not that good.
2: They're not. No, they're really not. But having to work because I had to support myself, and I remember my friends had went down to Chapel Hill for a weekend, and they asked me if I wanted to go, and I was like of course and I thought I would be off work by a certain time and I wasn't but I remember sitting there looking at my phone looking at the missed call because I couldn't answer the phone and knowing that I have to be here though like I need this income so I have to like miss out and that was that was like it wasn't stressful, but it was a lot on my mind. Like I was like, man, like this sucks.
1: Yeah. Not having a choice.
2: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Is,
1: you know, you're working out of desperation. For sure. Even
2: for sure. For sure. For like $7 an hour, the yeah. worst experience of my life. But I remember that uh, <laughs> I remember just that feeling of knowing that, man, even if I wanted to go, I can't because I have to be here because I need this check because how else am I going to pay my rent? Yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's hard when people say, "Oh, you work too much," or just call off work, or Man. and it's like I'm not there out of choice. For you know, sure, it's like yeah. I can't choose not to be there.
2: I it's think that's, not that's an a option. Huge. I think yeah. that's a yeah. It's it's an obligation. Like it's. If I had a choice, I would not be here. But, you know, based on my circumstance, it behooves me to work and get some extra income. So you add that into like some students that work till like 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock on a Tuesday. And then they have class at nine o'clock that Wednesday. And then you're showing up and you're kind of running on fumes. But like you're not eating breakfast and you're drinking like energy drinks and everything like that. It's just it's really easy to go into a downward spiral with college
1: Yeah, and we didn't even talk about that with the nutrition on your mental health.
2: Oh, man, that's I mean, like
1: too much caffeine, junk food. I mean, that all impacts your, yeah, your mental health, like your mood.
2: I knew that I was getting older when I was asking students, did you eat breakfast today? And they would say no, and I would get upset. I'm like, why not? Why aren't you eating breakfast? Like, it's so important. But you know, like you're, you're, you have to feed your body the fuel to last and do so like kind of that scenario we talked about earlier with you have class and you have work and you have a meeting and then you're, but you're only eating like, you know, you're running on just fast food and you know, it's just not, it's just not in your best interest. But yeah, like your, your diet absolutely affects your mood absolutely and if if you're not eating well you're putting bad things into your body and then you're expecting your body to support you through everything that you have to do and then when you actually are stressed out man that's just a it's really really easy and that's the thing it's it's extremely easy to just fall down like one bad week for a college student can be really really detrimental mm-hmm.
1: and so that's why seeking help you know there's just too much right going um or too many challenges too many things that are just for difficult sure. and it's for natural. anybody and so you know get as much support as you possibly can and it's free
2: It's absolutely free. And it's natural to feel everything that college students feel is absolutely valid. So it's okay to go in there and and find a counselor and talk about your relationship and talk about the issues you're having with your boyfriend or girlfriend or the issues you're having in this class. The thing is to you that are kind of like, man, like this really shouldn't even be an issue, but it is an issue. And that's okay. And going to talk to somebody about it is extremely, extremely helpful. So I definitely encourage uh, mental health awareness be aware of your mental health uh, have check-ins with your friends uh, make sure check on people ch- check on people that you care about and hopefully those people are checking on you but definitely uh be mindful of your body's triggers be mindful of just how you feel take inventory of how you feel every day and then it's like just take care of yourself mm-hmm. absolutely
1: that's great Bradford thanks for talking
2: yeah I really appreciate you having me on uh, I hope that the students were able to take take something from this, and I'm available on campus. So uh, definitely, if I can be of any resource to you, definitely let me know.
1: Yep, just Google Bradford Hill.
2: Yes, yes, I'm in part shops 204M.
1: Okay, great. Thanks Bradford.
2: Absolutely, anytime. Thank you.
0: Trio Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal and career support for under-resourced, undergraduate students. At Trio SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about student support services at NC State.